Ruth chapter 1, uh, amen, good to share be in place this morning, Ruth chapter 1, I've used this illustration before, but it's been a while back, and I believe it would help some people today, so I'm going to use it again today, but farmers in Oklahoma during the uh, late 1930s faced a, an excruciating choice. Throughout the 20s, 1920s, rain had been plentiful. Uh, they had enjoyed much harvest, much blessing and fruitfulness uh, from their crops. And matter of fact, they enjoyed so much. Many people from the Northeast, uh, especially during the Depression time, uh, left the Northeast, the Massachusetts area, up in that area, moved to the Midwest, Oklahoma, Kansas, Missouri, and began to buy farmland, started some farming, do some farming, different things. And, and so through the 1920s, the rain was abundant, things was going well, but in 1931, uh, the rain stopped. And once it stopped, you know how it is the first year, they're nervous, uh, it'd be better next year, uh, and uh, next year, it's, it, uh, the drought was still going, and they're trying to encourage themselves, maybe next year be better, uh, but, uh, amen, but it didn't do any better for several, a couple years, the rain had stopped and the drought was so severe that many of these uh, people from the northwest began to sell their farms, uh, sell their land, uh, move back empty-handed to the northeast, many of them discouraged and you can imagine broke, discouraged and beat up emotionally. Uh, and But 1938 come, there's still no rains, we're talking six years, seven years of drought, up to this point, there's a lot of people suffering. Uh, but this year, uh, many of the farmers came to their last little bit they had. They had enough grain. They had enough uh, to plant one more year. Believe, let's believe for rain one more year. Let's see what happened. Uh, and they were brought to this decision. Many farmers, we're not talking just a few, we're talking hundreds uh, of farmers were brought to a decision. Either we move back to the northeast and try to make it again and Life was tough out, tough out there. Remember the, uh, the depression was going on, different things. So, but many stayed. They said, we're going we're gonna to believe. They began to pray together, begin to kind of hold each other's hand. We begin to pray. So we're going to pray this year that we get rain. And so they stayed in that little bit of seed and weed and, and, and stuff they had. They began to plant in this dry, brittle ground. The best they can do, plant it and begin to pray, believe God for rain, and it was a good thing because in 1939, the rain did come. And we know the rest of the story, the rain came, the crops grew, uh, they began to be very fruitful, and the rain continued, and so may, these people made the right decision. We can say they made the right decision to stay, plant, uh, link hearts together, arms together, and pray, let's believe God. And how many of decisions are a big part of our life? Every day we're faced uh, with decisions. Every day you and I have to make decisions on what we're going to do, how we're going to do what we're going to do. So uh, I want to preach in that arena this morning about decisions. We're going to talk about a man by the name of Limelech. Uh, he makes a decision. Uh, he makes a decision without, let me say a few things. He makes a decision without praying, praying first. Uh, there's no seeking any counsel. His decision is simply made up on circumstances. Uh, and how many know if you don't ever pray, get some counsel, you're going to make some bad decisions. And here we see a man makes a, a critical decision that affects not just him, uh, 
but his wife, his children, his surroundings, uh, all that he has simply because uh, of a crisis in life makes a bad decision. We're going to pick the story up there, Ruth chapter 1, with certain verse 1. It says, in the, day of the, in the day the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the land in the country of Moab. The man's name was uh, Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. And, and the names of their two sons were Malan and Kilion. They were from Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to Moab to live there. Verse 3, now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left alone with her two sons. Verse 4, they married Moabite women, one named Ophram, the other named Ruth. And they lived there for ten years. Verse 5, both Malam and Chilion also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name this morning. God, I'm asking you, God, to move, to speak to hearts, speak to lives today. Uh, God, as I believe even right now, people are making decisions that will affect their destiny, God, decisions that will affect their wife and children, future, God. Uh, I pray, help us make right decisions even today. Speak to men and women. Uh, God, help us by your blood, by your grace, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, making right decisions this morning. How many know not all decisions are equal? The color of your shirt, the color you chose to wear of your shirt, is not that great of a decision this morning. You know, should I wear blue? I'm thinking this morning, I'm ironing my clothes. Should I wear blue this morning? Or, or should I wear as, a, as an off orange? Yeah. Uh, how should I? That's not that big a deal, is it? Yeah, it, it wouldn't bother you if I was up here in orange or blue. Uh, that's not that big of a, a decision. Uh, Amen. What kind of car you decide to buy is not that big of a deal, right? Some of you like Ford, some of you like Chevy, some of you like Dodge, uh, or foreign cars, not that big of a deal. But we're talking about major decisions, talking about marriage this morning. Who am I going to marry? How many know that's a major decision? Uh, amen. Who am I going to spend the rest of my life with? Uh, you don't just marry anybody. I know people have done that. They're so desperate to get married, they just marry anybody uh, because she looks pretty or because he got muscles uh, and they end up the rest of their life miserable. How many of those people like that? I said, well, have you prayed about that, bro? Well, man, you see the way she looks. <laughs> yeah, but did you pray about that? Uh, do you get any counsel on that? Yeah, but look at the muscles he got. Tell me, that six-pack turns to a keg in time trust me we're talking about marriage some important decisions we're talking about where you're going to spend the will of God where am I going to go to church uh, uh, that is a critical decision I know some of any church will do that's not true uh, that's not always the case Amen. how many know we need to be in the will of God in the place of God uh, so we're talking about decisions that matter this morning need some thoughts and some time put into them. Uh, again, uh, uh, some decisions are more important than other ones. We've all heard it said, the will of God is the best place to be. The will of God is everything, but everything is not the will of God. People say, well, I just make it the will of God. That's not, that's not true. The will of God is everything, but everything is not the will of God. So when we make decisions this morning, uh, decisions are going to matter whether that's marriage uh, 
whether that's the will of God, whatever that might be, your decisions matter. Nothing in this world, listen, money, fame, career, relationship, location, uh, is worth forfeiting the will of God uh, for your life. I remember when I got saved, I got saved with some other guys, we got saved together. And I can look back on decisions that we made earlier as a, as a young man. I was 20 years old. Uh, I got saved some other 20-year-old young men. Uh, we came into the church, and, and I thank God I was already married when I came in, and so I didn't have to redo all that one. But, uh, but I had some good friends of mine that began to make some bad decisions. Their decisions were based on what she looked like, uh, how much money I'm going to make, uh, uh, instead of praying, getting the mind of God, talking to pastor, uh, and figuring out some life, amen, their decisions was made on faulty things. Uh, and I look back, uh, and their life's a mess today. Uh, and I look back, and I, I'm like, man, if they just made this decision here, how life could have been totally different, uh, how they could have been blessed. I mean, there's one young man, he's chasing his grown church. And uh, I knew them both very, very well. And I said, hey, man, you can't approach her like that. You need to go talk to Pastor, talk to Pastor. He'd give you some advice. And, but this man, ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. I said, well, listen, he can help you because she may be pretty, but you don't know the rest of the story. Come on. You may have some muscle, but she don't know the rest of the story either. Anyway, he got upset. He didn't. And, and life's a mess today. So... Uh, some decisions do matter today. And in our text here, a man named by the name of Elimelech, uh, uh, he appears to be a good man. He appears to be a man of God. His name means uh, God is my king. So we're talking about a good man in the house of God. Uh, he's married, he has children, he's made right decisions uh, up to this point, but he has to make a decision now, and he doesn't bring God into it. He doesn't ask God, he doesn't seek any spiritual advice. Uh, He's going to make this one decision off of circumstances alone, uh, and it doesn't work out well for him. You know, being a man of God, you would think that he would make the, uh, the will of God the priority and the most important thing of his life. Being a man of God, as a man of God, uh, when I make decisions that are going to affect my wife, my children, my future, my church, I'm going to get God's mind. I'm going to call my pastor, help me out, uh, I'm kind of pulled here, uh, but in our text, he doesn't seek any advice. Uh, he makes a decision based on circumstances. Uh, it doesn't work out well for him. You, know, you think as a man of God, the will of God supersedes everything, right? If you're, if you're not married, who you marry? Uh, uh, you would think you'd pray for, about that, right? If you're, called into, if you're called to be a preacher, you're called to be... In ministry, you'd think that you'd pray for that because the Word of God supersedes everything. Uh, where I work, the friends I have, where I live, uh, the Word of God's the most important thing in life. If you're a Christian, amen, because you don't want to be out of the will of God. Uh, you want to be in the will of God. So, and Limelight's a good man. Uh, he's married, he's got children, but for some reason, uh, he doesn't pray about this one. Our text says, Limelight lived in Bethlehem uh, with his wife Naomi and these two sons, Malam, uh, and Chilion, uh, Bethlehem was a spiritual head of all Jerusalem. It's the right place to be. He's a man of God, has his family and church, just like you were here this morning. Uh, his wife is there, children are there. They're listening to the word of God. They're giving an amen every once in a while, preach it. Uh, good sermon. Uh, 
or whatever, he's a good man. He's got them in the house of God. They're listening to the word of God. He's in the right place here. Bethlehem has a great heritage. Uh, Bethlehem is where Moses first built the temple of God. Bethlehem is where David called home. Uh, Bethlehem means uh, the house of bread or the fertile region. So here's a man that had made decisions to get his wife and family into the will of God. Uh, he's kept them in the will of God for some time. He's made right decisions uh, in the past. Uh, but here we see he makes a bad decision in our text. I don't know, if we're not, if we're not careful, we can make bad decisions. We, we can maybe been like, hey, I've made good ones in the past sin, but today I'm just going to make my own decision. Verse 1. Although the years were fertile and the ground was good, uh, in Bethlehem for years, a famine has happened in the land. There's something that's disagreeing with this man now. There's something that's brought some hardship into his life. Uh, it's called a famine. Famines are hard times. I mentioned the story uh, of these people from the Northeast. They went to Oklahoma to try to make it uh, good. You know, in the, in the Depression, many of them uh, made a bad decision because a famine hit the land. Uh, here, a famine hits the land here in our text. And again, there's no prayer involved in this. There's no direction. He simply makes a decision based on circumstance. You know, Revelation here, even in the house of God, there might be times of famine. Yeah, I wake up every morning, we Lord, praise the Lord, I'm saved. Hallelujah. Let's give God thanks, Mona. There's some morning, it is like, my goodness, hard to get a bed, isn't it? Come on. I don't always have the much, enough money in the bank. I don't always have enough gas in the car. I don't always have everything I want. Uh, sometimes there's famine. Sometimes I've had hard times, hard months, hard years, uh, difficult times, but how many of there's times of that in the will of God? But famines aren't always bad. Many times famines will test uh, our trust in God. Genesis 26 says there was a famine in the land. Besides the first famine, that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of, of, of the Philistines, in the in the Verse 2, then the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt, but live in the land which I shall tell you. Thank God that Isaac prayed about this. There's a famine in the land like there was in Abraham. He had to, he was able to look back on the days of his father. Uh, no doubt the stories were still there, the hardships of that famine, the days of Abraham. Uh, no doubt the stories were there, the servants would tell him, Man, I remember that famine was so severe of our all the crops dried up. The cows died in the field. Uh, it was like that. And Isaac, is no doubt, he's been overwhelmed here with emotions. Uh, man, what can I do? Where can I go live for a while to gather this famine? The Spirit of God spoke to him. Or in other words, he prayed about it. Uh, the Spirit of God spoke to him and said, I want you to stay there. How I many know it doesn't make any sense stay there? Uh, but God spoke to him and said, stay there. So I made all, all the sense in the world right there. Come on. Well, God speaks to you, right? It makes sense. It goes on to say, I dwell in the land, uh, uh, and I want you to not just dwell there, but I want you to go ahead and plant seed there too. Remember, they're in a severe famine like the one in his father. Nothing's living in the ground. Everything's dying. Uh, God said, I want you to stay there and plant. Uh, plant your seed all as though uh, 
Rain's going to come, plant the seed as though the flood's going to come in. Uh, and we have to make decisions in times of famine. Are we going to believe God? Are we going to stay put? Uh, are we going to keep our hand to the plow, do the will of God? And we know that he does this. Uh, uh, if you read the end of the story, you know that God did bring uh, rain to that ground. Amen. And he did get a great crop out of that. But it's all what he believed God in the hard time. In our text, Malam, or Abimelech, uh, uh, he doesn't pray, doesn't keep the mind of God, makes a decision based on circumstance, uh, and now it's a bad story. Verse 12 and 13, about going back to Isaac, said Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. I know God looks for people to bless. I believe that. But let's also get the whole story here. Isaac prayed. God, boy, you want me to? I want you to stay put. I also want you to sow seed. You know, in this hard, difficult time, uh, he does, and God blesses that. So God blesses right decisions here. Our text here, Limelech, because of famine, makes a bad choice. In other words, there are people, as long as everything's well, as long as seed, there's seed to plant, harvests come in, barns are full, money in the bank, Bethlehem is the place to be. As long as everything's going the way I want it, God, I'll do what you want me to do. There's people like that. That's human nature, right? As long as everything's going well for us, we're, we're staying in the will of God, do what's right, but when famine hits, uh, surely God can't expect me to make a difficult decision. Surely, if there's a famine in the land, if there's something I really want, uh, God will understand. I'm trying to help somebody this morning. In our text, there's no rain. It's going to be a hard year. Sacrifices are going to have to be made, and that's life sometimes. Many times, life is like that. You have to make hard, difficult decisions, uh, and it's harder to stay. Many times, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, uh didn't make any sense. Stay. Uh, Ride this thing out. It's going to be okay uh, because he's here and listening. In, in Moab, they got, they, got, they got fertile fields, man. It's raining over there big time. Uh, in, a, in, you know, in the natural, hey, move over there. But God says stay. That makes all the difference. So Limelech, he leaves Bethlehem and goes to Moab. Limelech leaves the people of God, the will of God, the house of God for Moab. If you know Scripture, the Bible says the Moabite, the Moabite people were a cursed people. They were an evil people. If you do their background, as Moses and the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, they, they ambushed and they tried to kill off God's people, and, and God put a curse on them because of that. Uh, uh, and it was, they were bad people. They were not nice people. They were cruel people. Uh, and for some reason, uh, Abimelech is going to overlook all that because I'm, I'm suffering because things are not going well for me. I want this. Uh, I'm going to overlook all the bad that could happen. People do that, don't they? You know, Moab was worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. The Bible said for ten generations they could not even approach the house of God. That's how vile they were. God said they can't come close to the house of God for ten generations. They were an evil people. How can somebody overlook all that Amen. And make a decision to move into that. Uh, one, he didn't pray about it. We don't pray about stuff, man. We can make some bad decisions, can't we? I, I've, I've scratched my head through the years. People make decisions. I go, why in the world would you do that? 
One, I didn't, they didn't pray. Two, they didn't ask any advice. Uh, and three, because what they wanted most of the time. You know, the truth is this morning, when you leave the will of God, the house of God, you never know the mess you're going to end up in. You're the prodigal son. I want that out there. Think Luke 15, you read it. I mean, he's in the Father's house. He's blessed. He got everything he needs. God's hands upon him. But he wanted something out there. That's most of the time where people make bad decisions. Elimelech's faith, the Bible said, did not match his name here. Bethlehem was on his worst day is better than Moab on his best day. Bethlehem, the house of God, fertile, and Moab, uh, uh, the god of Moab is called Chesmos. Uh, it means to subdue or reduce and to conquer. This is exactly what happens when Abimelech moves out of the will of God, uh, moves out of the place of God, goes to Moab in the moment. He gets there, he's conquered. Uh, he died a short time later. He's subdued uh, by the atmosphere of everything. He's conquered. He dies. Uh, and uh, he didn't think, hey, I'm not going to die over there. I'll be back. Remember, they say he's going to leave for a while, go there for a while, come back. Uh, he didn't plan on dying over there. He didn't plan on going to Moab uh, and it'd be in the end. He planned on making a few bucks and coming back. Uh, but the Bible said uh, he went there and he died. He didn't just die, but his wife's left there now. His kids are left there. They're in Moab where they should be in Bethlehem. I mentioned a prodigal son. He's blessed. He has an inheritance. Uh, but he leaves the house of God, leaves the will of God. Uh, he goes out there. and How, how many know we know the end of the story? A few months go by, he spent everything, he's ended up in a pig pen. The Bible said he's longing to eat the pods that the pigs are eating. Now, I grew up with hogs. We, we, had, we had some hogs, and I grew up, they're a nasty animal, man. Hogs will eat anything. We give them all the scraps of leftover. Mom would put them in a, uh, throw, we'd throw them over the fence. Uh, they'd eat anything. They're nasty. <laughs> I love pork chops, but listen, the pigs are the pigs are nasty. I like to butcher them and eat them. But this guy's living with them. He's thinking about it. he's in a father's house. Uh, his brothers there, his father's there, his mom, everybody's there, and now he's living with the pigs. Nasty, unclean animals. But that's what happens when you don't pray. You make decisions many times based on just what you want to do. I'm going somewhere. Let's go secondly this morning. Something internal happens when you make bad decisions. Look at verse 20. Verse 20. She said, Don't call me Naomi, which means pleasantness, but call me Mara, which means bitter, because the Almighty has made me, has made my life very bitter. Verse 21. I went away full. The Lord brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought me misfortune upon me. Naomi was pleasant. That's what her, her name means. This name means happy, joyful, friendly, considerate, and likable. She's a good lady. She's in the house of God. This gives us a picture. She's friendly. Uh, she has ladies' fellowship. She's enjoying all that God's doing, she's a pleasant person to be around. Uh, uh, and that's who she is. I mean, she's a good lady uh, in the house of God, a lady you need in the house of God. But now she's taken out of that. Uh, after stepping out of the will of God, Naomi changes internally. Something changed inside of her. She said, don't call me Naomi, but call me Mara, 
which means bitter. This term bitter means angry, resentful, and full of rage. She says, went from this pleasant, good lady, enjoyable lady to be around. Now she's bitter, she's twisted, she's enraged. Uh, I've seen this happen myself. People step out of the will of God, uh, make bad decisions, and internally they change here. But look at her bitterness. Her bitterness isn't bitterness. It's, uh, her bitterness is directed towards God. Listen to her words. The Almighty made my life very bitter. I went away full. The Lord brought me back empty. The Lord has afflicted me. God didn't do any of that. Remember, it was her and her husband's choice. Uh, uh, we're going to move away. We're going to do what we want to do. We're going to make a bad decision. Uh, and now she's reaped some, some of the consequence of that bad decision. Now it's God's fault. It's God's fault I've ended up in the pig pen. Uh, 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 that's what people always do, don't they? They blame God how life has turned out. Uh, uh, but really, it's been they, they didn't pray about this decision. It was based on circumstances. Uh, what I want. Uh, I've seen people marry somebody because of that. All of a sudden, man, 10 years down the road, I've counseled people 20 years down the road. Uh, they're living in misery. Because they never prayed about it. My life is a mess because of God. It's God's fault that I'm bitter. I've heard it. Every time something goes wrong, they shake their fist at God. That's Naomi. How can a lady, a good lady, in the house of God end up like that? There's only one bad decision. Listen, so I said earlier, all decisions aren't equal. Doesn't matter what color shirt I wear, right? But some decisions do matter. See, when you're bitter at God, there can be joy all around you and you not feel any of it. People can be happy. I've seen this in church many times. I mean, church is happy. People are excited. But that one, that one bitter just sitting in the middle of it. You don't enjoy nothing. Hey, you're going to go to fellowship. I'd be miserable anyway. Nobody likes me there. I mean, everything's bad. How many's heard it? Truth is, God does not bless outside of His will. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, saying, Rise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarsha from the presence of the Lord. God said, Go to Nineveh, because I want to get people saved there. They need to hear the word. God knows their heart. They're ready to get saved. But Jonah didn't want that. Hey, I like Tarsha. Tarsha was a beach city. Uh, Tarsha uh, had all the, the nice lounges there. He can sit on the beach and sip some tea. Uh, uh, and, but Nineveh is going to be some hard work. And he said, I don't want Nineveh. I want Tarsha. And we know the end of the story. The Bible says a great storm arose on the sea. Uh, everybody's crying out. The place is filled with fear. Uh, and Jonah eventually gets thrown over the, the well uh, gets him whatever fish you want to call it. Uh, the well swallows him up. After three days of misery in the well, weeds around his neck. Read the story. Weeds are strangling him. He can't hardly breathe. Uh, he finally uh, repents, gets it right, and God has the well spit him out. How remembers that? He didn't have to go through any of that. I mean, people go through things today that they don't have to go through. I said, boy, if you just prayed about that, if you came to ask some advice, uh, I've seen that before. I could have helped you, but 
Now they're in misery. They got, they're strangled by many things because they never even considered praying or asking for advice. The truth is, when we step outside the will of God, we end up being prey. How do you know Jonah, the devil had full access to him outside the will of God? That's why we always got to pray, get the mind of God, get some. Don't make a bad decision. Look, lastly, making some right decisions. Let's end this on a good note here. Ruth chapter 1, verse 14. Nomi comes to her senses. Thank God I've seen people come to their senses. They make a bad move, bad decision, things. They come to their it's, it's time rejoicing, isn't it? The time of joy. Thank God you dumped the guy. Thank God you dumped the girl. You came to your senses. I feel that one. They came to their senses. Thank God you made a decision not to be moved just by the flesh and just by moved by hormones. You made it and you came to your senses. I had this guy named Roy in, in a church of Pioneer in California. He's a boxer, Golden Glove, Golden Glove boxer. And, and this guy's a good boxer, man. He's a little guy, but man, he can fight. And, and he had trophies, good boxer. We're on an outreach one day, and we got attacked by two pit bulls. And Roy, man, boxing these pit bulls and, and fought them off. That's a good boxer. <laughs> I, I'm back, I'm flipping out, man. I'm like, I don't know if they kick him, hit him, or what. Uh, hey, man, he's boxing, man. They're pop, pop. He's jumping up, and he's hurting them. <clears throat> I said, well, that's pretty good boxing there, man. And I mean, scared two pit bulls off. That's pretty good. But, but he meets this girl. And I can tell he really likes this girl. She comes to the church. She's, I said, Roy, give her time. Don't be looking like that at her. Give her time. Stay away from her. Yeah, you don't need her address, phone number, nothing. Stay away from her. Okay, Pastor. I see these wheels are turning, you know. And a couple weeks go by, a couple months go by, and I see he's talking to her too much. You're not high. How are you doing more? It's, uh, it's too much talk. You know what I'm talking about. Getting too close. I said, Roy, so listen, uh, I said, she, she ain't been, this girl, she's a good girl, but she come out of a hard life. She's a straight girl. I mean, prostitution is her life, drugs. Uh, you got to give it time, Roy. This thing can end up right, but it's not right now. Give it some time, man. But anyway, they start sneaking around, seeing each other, and and so uh, you know, a couple months go by. I get the phone call. We're gonna get married. I said, listen, I go. It's a bad decision, bro. I said, a bad decision. You give her time. She's not growing long enough. She's not. She don't. She not even read one book of the Bible yet. Give her some time. Anyway, they go out and get married. I wouldn't marry them. They went out and got married somewhere. They got and they come back within a few months. I mean, you can imagine, he, life is just a wreck. She's back out on the street. She's, she's doing her thing. Back. He's tormenting his mind. Uh, he's back out on the streets now. And, and they make a bad decision because their hormones, different things are going crazy. They could have made a good decision. And who knows, they could have been pastor, pastor wife today. We have a lot of people in our fellowship that started out that way. But they made some good decisions and and over time, uh, it came out good, right? Nomi comes to her senses. Thank God for that. 
she comes back to Jerusalem, she, or Bethlehem, she said, I'm going to get back in the will of God. Uh, she comes back to the house of God, and when people come to their senses, God gets involved, right? Verse 19, look at our text. Everyone's there uh, to help her. So, so the two of them went uh, until they came to Bethlehem, and they came to Bethlehem. The whole town was stirred because of them. Uh, and the women said, is this Naomi? Everybody's excited. She's back in the will of God. She's been gone for some years, 10, 15 years. Uh, she's been gone, but now she's come back. She made a good decision. Uh, she come back to the house of God. Uh, uh, amen. And thank God when people do that, they come to sense that they come back uh, and get the will of God. Chapter 2 of Ruth, people of wealth even are waiting to bless her. So she had relatives uh, uh, named Boaz of great wealth uh, that helped her out. Listen, I'm amazed when people simply come to their senses, uh, um, hopefully before the bad decision was made, but how God gets involved. Uh, I've had other couples, and, and, and I can name couples in, in, in our church in Zambia, in different places where they came to me, they're about to make, about to make a bad decision in marriage, uh, bad decision in, in finances. They come in and they say, you know what, we're going to pray about this, we're going to get the mind of God, and and, and God bless them, God helped them simply because they came to their senses here. Mention Luke 15, the prodigal son. When he came to his senses, he said this, I will rise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose, came to his father. But while he was a long ways off, his father saw him and felt compassion ran and embraced him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Bring quickly the best robe, put it on, put it on him, put on him the ring on his finger, the ring on his hand, shoes on his feet, uh, and bring the fat of the calf and let us celebrate. God's involved in restoration. Thank God for that. That we can make a bad decision and we can repent and come to our senses and repent and get it right uh, and we see this and I believe this morning I'm praying about this I believe there's people here this morning you're at that place of decision there's some of you on the place to see you're about to make a bad decision I feel it in my spirit you're about to make a bad decision God says God's trying to catch you God's trying to help you here God said listen pray about this uh, get some advice get some don't make this decision there's others you've made the decision there's been the bad already and you're thinking about, man, is there any hope? Can God, does God still love me? Does God care about me? Here's the prodigal son uh, within the mess. Uh, I'm going to come back. There's the grace of God. God restores him, ring back on his finger, robe back on his body, shoes on his feet. Uh, that's a picture of sonhood. He's not just a servant. He's not just a nobody. Uh, but he's clothed again with the honor of the family. Listen, maybe you made some bad decisions. God said, get it right. I'll reclothe you. I can restore your life. God can help you. Uh, and this morning, if you're about to make a bad decision, stop and pray. Come see me, Pastor Brooks, Pastor Howard. See somebody, talk to somebody that's been through some things. Can you say amen? Let's bow our heads this morning.